Hello, thank you for visiting the podcast of the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you haven't already, feel free to visit our audio archive at vineyardcampbellsville.org or subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. And now here is this week's message. Well, that's fun. I'm so glad I get to be here with you guys. Um, This is my third time here at this church. I was here. I feel like I really know you guys because I came in December and got to bear witness to the Christmas extravaganza. What do you, what do you guys call it? Christmas (laughs) talent show, the talent show. This is a very talented room of people, um, which I think is honestly true, but also what a fun time. You guys know how to have fun, which I really love. Um, And we like that. We value that a lot at our church as well. Um, And the reason that I came last time was actually um, I was coming to go to Our Lady of Gethsemane, which is, I don't know, probably like 45, 50 minutes away from here, depending on if you're a speeder or not. Um, And so I was going there. I, um, during the fall, I took a four month sabbatical. Um, My husband and I pastor our church in Delaware and I just, there was no emergency about it, but I think that there is something really healthy about establishing restful rhythms into our lives. And so I took some time away and I took time to rest and I took time to reflect and I took some time to really look forward to what God had for me and has for me in this next season of my life. And it was such a, like a treasured time for me, like really precious to me. And I I'm so grateful that I got the opportunity to do that. And the um, hanging out with the monks at Gethsemane was amazing. Like, it was a great experience. I'd never done it before. And I know several of the people here, um, you guys are so lucky to have that so close to you. It's such a great resource. Um, And it was just beautiful, the space and um, getting to participate in their prayer services. And um, it was beautiful. It was really great. I'm so grateful for it. And I think out of that time, I've really come to a place where I really um, appreciate with even, I don't know, I guess a greater depth, uh, some of the spiritual disciplines and ways of encountering God in ways that maybe are a little bit different. I was raised in a non-denominational church and then came into the vineyard when I was 11. So I've, this is kind of pretty foreign or the spiritual practices is a little bit more foreign practice for me. And so there's a lot of life in it for me. And so I've really come to appreciate some things that, you know, if you think about even the land of Our Lady Gethsemane, I think Ray Ray said this, that it's like people have been praying there daily for like 150 years. Think about what kind of fertile ground you're walking into when you walk there. Isn't that just beautiful? Um, and so I've come to really appreciate that. And I thought, what a winsome thing I could do today in talking to you about the spiritual discipline of confession. (laughs) I thought, how could I really win the room where everyone is with me and we're all here together? And I thought, let's talk about the practice of confession because it makes everyone feel really comfortable. Um, So I really, honestly, I felt like the Lord really steered me toward this, and there is real power in this, and so I want to unpack this practice. We're going to look at some scripture here today, Um, but you know, I think when we hear the word confession, for a lot of us, many different things kind of stir up, many different images come to mind, and I think one is kind of the classic image that I've provided some slides, this kind of image of the confessor going to the priest to, you know, behind the screens, which actually at Gethsemane, I 
participated in this for the first time in my life, but I didn't, they had like two chairs. It was kind of interesting. They had a chair like where I could sit right in front of the priest or then behind a screen. And I went with the right in front of, cause I'm just more comfortable <laughs> with that, I guess. Um, and it was a beautiful thing, actually. It was really great to just say, hey, here's what I just feel like God has brought to mind that I can share with you here today. This is a place where, you know, I just experienced some brokenness and some imperfection and some sin in my life. And I want to tell you about that. So I told him about that. And then he like, he and I just talked about it and it was really great. And then he committed to pray for me every day that week, which was really sweet. Isn't that great? He also spotted right away that I was not Catholic. Um, <laughs> I don't know how he figured it out, but he definitely did. And so I think for a lot of us, when we think of this image of confession, this is kind of what draws up in our minds, right? This like maybe even a sense of obligation or a sense of religion or um, maybe even some judgment that we can feel from some images like this you know, where it feels a little tense. I think another image that we often, um, at least that I often come up with in my mind is this idea of an interrogation scene, right? Like maybe I just watch too much criminal TV, but um, there is, you know, just like this image of like somebody forcing you almost into a place of confession, a place of surrender, a place of, all right, I admit it, I've done wrong, right? And I don't know about you, but Many things about both of these images aren't something that really make me want to confess, you know? And I think that there's something, and I think, quite honestly, the act of confession is pretty counterintuitive for the way that we're wired, the way that we're made, that everything in us, our sin nature says, hide it, bury it, deny it, don't claim it, and minimize it, make it smaller than it is, right? That's kind of what the message I hear when I'm thinking about stuff that, you know, and I have a shame voice that speaks to me that says like, you should be beyond this by now, or you should really get your act together, pull it together, Jules, come on, like little speeches, right? We give ourselves. And, um, and I know that I'm not alone in this. I would imagine this is a common human experience, right? Um, and the good news is, that I don't think that these images are actually really what Jesus calls us to do in confession. And the great news is that he speaks to it in his word. And so we're going to look at his word today. We're going to be in 1 John chapter 1. It's getting a little closer toward the end of the New Testament, kind of close to Revelation. So um, if you want some help finding that. Um, But I'm going to pray before we look at the word. Is that all right? Sometimes I ask questions I don't really want answers to. Like if you'd said no, that's not okay, I would have done it anyway. So just thought I'd, I used to do that with my kids too, you know, like, do you want to go to bed? Why did I just ask that question? No. Okay. Well, let's pray, and then, um, and then we'll read the word. Hmm. God, we just wait on you right now. We invite your presence here. We acknowledge that it's here, Jesus. Would you increase our awareness? Hmm. Yes, Lord. I just love scripture even says that out of hmm, the mouths of infants that he's ordained praise. 
So God, I just pray that you would come, you would align our hearts with yours this morning, Jesus. That you would open our eyes to glean from scripture all the truth that you have for us here this morning, Jesus. Come and have your way. And give you this time, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, I told the girls on uh, Friday night that I am a really good reader because I um, was a preschool teacher for a long time. So, but you will hear that I do um, enunciate specifically, like in certain places, you'll hear me give emphasis. So, I'm sorry about that if it sounds like I'm reading you a picture book. Um, (laughs) I am reading out of a version of the Bible that I call the voice. I also told all the women on Friday night that every time I talk about this Bible, I said, this is the voice every time. And it is the voice of the Lord. All right. (laughs) So, so we're reading in first John, um, chapter one, verse five is where we'll start out. Um, what we are telling you now is the very message we heard from him. God is pure light, undimmed by darkness of any kind. If we say we have an intimate connection with the Father, but we continue stumbling around in darkness, then we are lying because we do not live according to the truth. If we walk step by step in the light where the Father is, then we are ultimately connected to each other through the sacrifice of Jesus, his Son. His blood purifies us from all our sins. If we go around bragging, we have no sin, then we are fooling ourselves and are strangers to the truth. But if we own up to our sins, God shows us that he is faithful and just by forgiving us of our sins and purifying us from the pollution of all bad things we have done. If we say we have not sinned, then we depict God as a liar and show that we have not let his word find its way into our hearts. really intense passage, but I think it's really good. Um, You know, I think it's interesting in this passage that there's a lot of if-thens. Anybody else pick up on that? There's a lot of repetition in this where it says, if you do this, then this will be what you experience. If you do this, this will happen, right? Then this happens. Um, And it's almost as though, um, well, it reads like promises, right? These are some promises that God gives us in his word. That if we can be honest with ourselves about who we are, where we're at, maybe patterns that we find within ourselves, then he's faithful and just to forgive us, to let us free, to set us free, to um, let his reign and rule come into our lives. Because that's really the essence of sin. Now, sin, I'm just going to say this out loud, that um, really sin has virtually gone out of our vocabulary as a modern society. This is not a word that we talk about a lot. It makes people pretty uncomfortable. Sin, could we just say like mistakes or things we wish we would have done differently or like, oh man, next time I'm going to, you know. But sin simply means missing the target, right? Missing the mark that we've gone off of what, is ideal, best, God's very best for us. Um, And I think that it's important for us to think about, um, you know, that our sin, sometimes we're aware of it, 
and sometimes we're not, right? And this is part of that living in the light, like the scripture here says, that if we're living in the darkness and stumbling around, it's because we're not living according to the truth. In my experience, there are things that I know, like I know when I've done something wrong sometimes, right? So like I say something um, out of line, like maybe I say something super in a harsh tone to my husband. Like he says something and for some reason I'm just like, psh, come at it real harsh back. Anybody ever had an experience like that before? None of you have. I knew that. Um, it's just me. Um, so yeah, and it's like, oh, that was like kind of, maybe I felt like he was pressing up against something. It was my kingdom he was pressing up against, right, in that moment. <laughs> my reign and my rule, right? And so I have a moment where I miss the mark, where I sin. And then in my life, there are many areas where I just don't know what I don't know, where I just react or I show up in a way that I'm not even aware that I'm doing, that I'm living out a pattern of brokenness, I'm living out a place of um, you know, rebellion or disobedience or a place of my way, my kingdom, and I don't even know that I'm doing it. You know, there are just things in my life that I don't know that I don't know. And I think this is especially where the stumbling around in the darkness applies. Because the moments where I can see that was sin, I obviously have a choice in that as to how I'm going to respond, right? Like I have a choice. Am I going to own it in that moment? I'm going to say, I'm so sorry for the way that I just spoke to you. That, was, that came out harsher than I meant it, and I'm sorry. Or, gosh, I got defensive in that. I can own it, right? I have a choice. But if I don't know what I don't know, right? If I come into a moment and I'm just reacting and I have no idea that there is a wake of bodies behind me <laughs> in the way that I've just blown up, that's that stumbling around in the darkness. Um, there's a favorite <laughs> story that I, you know, those little stories that pop up on like different blogs or on Facebook or whatever. There's one that I want to share with you guys today that I think is a great analogy. Um, I think you'll click into it clearly. Um, so there was this family. They had children, and they decided that their children needed to get a new puppy, which is so sweet. And so they have this brand new puppy, and they, you know, are taking care of the puppy, taking care of the kids, and put everyone to bed, lights out. And they have set in their home as a way to try to keep something clean and keep some order, they have a Roomba. Do you guys, are you familiar with the robotic uh, vacuum? We have, we had one at our house for a while. You have to like put stuff away though for it to work. So that was (laughs) prohibitive for us. But (laughs) so you like, so what they did, you can program it, which I never got this far. I only, cause you know, you never know, you might miss something and then it's going to eat it alive. So anyway, so they program it to go every night while the family is sleeping. The Roomba goes to work, and some people may name theirs, and goes to work and cleans the whole room while you're asleep. Beautiful setup, right? This is like fantastic. Well, the family goes to sleep, and about four in the morning, their little one, across the house, comes into their room. Pretty common experience for anybody who's ever had a young child, right? Kid comes into the room. And the dad's like, what is that smell? What is that smell? Did you, like, have an accident? They're, like, checking things out. 
and they look, and the child's feet, um, the feet are entirely covered in feces, in poo. And they're like, what has happened? What? Where Where did you walk? And they go outside, and what had happened... I'm going to share with you, is that their brand new little puppy had pooped on the floor. And then an hour later, the Roomba went to work cleaning and ran over the poo. And can you project the next image for me? (laughs) This is a track that the Roomba takes. It like goes in random patterns. It doesn't just go like front and back. And so it was on everything and anything that the Roomba went over, went near, or brushed against. So all of the floorboards, all of the legs of the furniture um, were saturated in poop. And you can see my favorite part of this diagram is all of the arrows pointing to poop, (laughs) which is a living nightmare. (laughs) This is like a nightmare of a situation. They had to, so they like... Get their, get their kid, they put him in the bathroom, in the bathtub, wash him off. It's like four in the morning. This is terrible. And they go out and they see the whole room. And they're just like, we just, well, yeah, they had to replace, they tried getting a carpet cleaner to come. And the carpet cleaner just said, I think you need to start again. And so they had to get new carpet And, um, I mean, it was just a total disaster. This is like a nightmare. Um, But the truth is that this is kind of what, when we're unaware of the sin in our life, when we don't take responsibility for it, this is what we do. Is we're kind of like the Roombas (laughs) spreading poo everywhere, right? This is... Kind of the truth of it is when we just blaze through and don't deal with our sin, we're going to leave tracks everywhere we go, right? Yeah. Um, And I don't know about you guys, but like that's not the scent that I want to carry with me. That's not what I want to track throughout the places in my life. Like I want to be a person who is the fragrance of Jesus to people. When I walk around, when I walk into a staff meeting, when I walk into my favorite coffee shop, when I um, board an airplane, when I have somebody cut me off in traffic or have somebody try to even interrupt the kingdom of Julie Morgan, right? That's when it says, what's actually, where, whose reign and rule is over my life? Is it the kingdom of God? Am I a child of the light? Or is it my reign and my rule and my way? Right? And I think that um, the important thing about this is that two things are promised to us in this scripture that we just read. And one thing is that there's forgiveness available. That as soon as we acknowledge, as soon as we see it, as soon as God brings it to our attention, he is faithful and just to forgive us. It's one of those if-then statements, right? This is a promise. 
It's not, there's no delay. There's not a moment that he says, let me review the severity of the situation and see if my forgiveness will cover this. There's no like thing that we can do that is beyond the scope of his forgiveness, of his grace for us. Um, and the other thing that he promises is that we'll be made pure. Isn't that great news? Yeah, that we'll be made pure, that like he'll replace the carpeting in our lives, right? That he's going to make this right and clean and good. It's not that we always walk around with the stain that we're super aware of, but that when we come into his presence, when we bring our sin before him, when we bring our mistakes, when we bring our brokenness to him, he not only says, I forgive you, but he says, let's make this clean. Let's make this right. And he's already done the work. He's already done the work. And we just get to accept it. We get to embrace it. We get to live from that place. Um, hmm. So first I want to talk about in confession, in owning our things, and being honest, what we aren't doing. Because I think that, like those images that I pulled up at the very beginning, there are things that we kind of, um, a filter that we hear that through or that we work through confession with. Does that make sense? We have kind of filters. Everybody has them. Things that we hear other people with, ways that we understand the world around us. We have filters based on the way we were raised, the culture that we've been brought up in, um, experiences that we've had, all sorts of things inform our filters. And so I want to be really clear in saying that in confession, in telling the truth, that we are not embracing shame or condemnation. Shame is generally not something about action. It's something about identity. Usually the voice of shame speaks to who you are as a person. Not so much about what you can do or about what you do, right? And so in condemnation, that voice is like shouting at us. And that's not what we want to do through confession, and that's not where we're called to live from. Our identity, as clearly stated in this passage, is as children of God, that we're his, we're bought at a price, right? We just sang about it this morning, we talk about it, and we live from a place of being his, of being owned by him. Um, And the other thing that we're not doing in confession is focusing on the sin. We're not just like, oh, my friend Julia, she like mentored me all through high school. And I remember talking to her, we got um, coffee at like a mediocre coffee shop. And and we're sitting there and I was talking to her. I had my journal with me. I was 15. I remember this like clear as day. I had my journal with me and I said, Like, I felt like I was coming to tell her, like, a great disappointment. And I was like, I just have so much sin in my life. And, like, I had my journal, and I'd been journaling just about how sinful I am. And um, uncharacteristically for Julia or myself, she used a sports analogy, which I will share with you now. It's (laughs) probably the only one I know. So (laughs) there you go. Um, Sports fans. Um, I'm not one, really, but. My husband is. So anyway, uh, she said it would be like a baseball player going to play a game. They have their uniform on. They go and they play a game. 
And in playing the game, they do some sliders, they, you know, slide into home, they play the game. That's not a word, is it? I knew I should have steered clear of sports analogies. I've also said outings before, it's innings. Okay, so <laughs> I've told on myself, I'm confessing to y'all. I don't, that's one. Uh-huh. The women, I had them count the amount of y'alls that I said so that I can relate to you. You guys can do that. That was one. Okay. So anyway, so, but it would be like, you know, trying to, you know, you're playing the game and in the process of playing the game, you get dirty, right? And it would be like taking off your uniform. This act of introspection is like taking off your uniform and just staring at the dirt, staring at the mud, staring at the grass stains and just looking at it and thinking, I'm just a mess. Look at what I've done. But what this passage tells us and what we're really called to do is to simply put it in the washing machine, put some soap on it, wash it, dry it, and wear it, put it on again and go and play another game, right? And this is where this act of confession is so powerful, you guys, because it's not meant to be like something where we confess all of our sins at one time. This is something we do reps around, right? That we like continue to come again and again and again, and not from a place of condemnation or shame, but from a place of saying, Lord, make me clean so that I can play the game to the best of my ability, right? So that I can be all that you've made me to be, um, and that I can just live in the truth of who you are. Um, The other thing that we are not doing in confession is that we are not doing like a self-exam. We are not looking into ourselves to find our deepest, darkest sins. We are not looking to find places of brokenness. We don't need to look for that. (laughs) But Jesus can help us to see things. Because the truth is, if you don't know what you don't know, if there are sin patterns, brokenness, areas where you're leaving that poo track all around your life, then the chances are you're not actually able to really see that very clearly. Probably the people around you can see it a little more clearly than you can. And so sometimes asking other people can be helpful, but more so just going straight to the Father and saying, I am made to be a child of the light, to be your child and to live as you live. So would you show me where we aren't aligned? Would you show me where I'm off track? Would you show me where there's things that I just can't see? And so instead of going on some sort of a like hunting expedition within yourself to find the thing that needs to die, or, you know, kind of making yourself your own personal DIY project, Pinterest is helpful, but in this regard... Like, I I don't need to constantly be working on myself because Jesus is the one who is constantly calling me into alignment with himself. And so just going before God and saying, show me what I can't see, remind me of who I am, and um, letting him kind of explore with you. Does that make sense? Um, So now I want to tell you guys what I think we are doing in the act of confession. And I think the number one thing that we're doing is we're telling the truth, right? So once Jesus brings something to our awareness, once we seek him and he shows us something, it's simply just being truth tellers. It's simply saying, this is 
what I've seen, this is what you've shown me, and this is what is so. And I mean, this does take courage, to be honest. Because at least for me, I don't know if this is true for you guys, but I tend to feel like I should be better than this by now. Or I should like have a handle on this. Or gosh, like I thought we already dealt with this and now this is coming up again, right? And you know, I'm sure you guys have heard like that we are all like an onion and there's always a deeper layer, right? Um, and so for me, I've come to a real place where I've realized that I will never outgrow authenticity and vulnerability in my life. I'm going to say that again. I will never outgrow authenticity and vulnerability. We don't get beyond it. We don't get so whole that we don't need it. <laughs> and we're called to be people who tell the truth about who we are, what is so for us, about who Jesus is. Um, and vulnerability is like a really hard thing sometimes because everything in me wants to self-protect, wants to say, I'm going to do everything I can to protect myself. And that's just human experience, right? So we have a moment in our life where something happens that is hurtful and we build a way of living so that we don't experience that hurt again, right? And so we come into life with all these things built around us, whether it's like, this is a brand I've built around myself. These are the clothes I wear, the milk I drink, and the, you know, whatever. Those are some things that I have, music I listen to. I'm just being vulnerable and transparent with you guys. Um, or whether it's a, I am never going to make myself vulnerable so that this thing never happens again. Or I am always going to, we make vows and decisions about how we're going to live in the world in order to protect ourselves. And when we do that, it is a direct inhibitor to our ability to experience grace and forgiveness, to experience wholehearted living, to experience the freedom that Jesus offers us through the gospel. Um, and it makes it hard to walk in the light because we're constantly trying to cover up, right? Um, so one of my favorite verses in Scripture it happens a couple of times, but it's in the, um, well, it happens in the Gospels. Um, and my favorite is when they are going to the tomb to see where Jesus was buried. Um, Peter and John are going there. And it says that, Je you know, John got there first. It's him writing it, so I think it's really funny. I got there first, and I am the disciple that, what does he call himself? that Jesus loves. I, the disciple that Jesus loved. I think it's like a hysterical thing sometimes when I read it because it's like, this is a nickname I've given myself, the disciple that Jesus loved. Um, but I so want to be able to live from that place of identity because that's an identity speaking over himself, isn't it? And he knows that he knows that he knows and he gives himself this little nickname maybe to remind himself that he's loved and so he's the one that's writing this passage to us 
And when he's calling us to a place of confession, of living in the light, of being honest about who we are, it's coming from a place of identity, of saying, I am loved. I can step into the light. I can shed the darkness because I know that I am loved. I can be honest about who I am in places where there are imperfections within me because I know that I am loved. I can be honest with others in my life because I know that the one who made me, who formed me, and who calls me by name loves me. That's the place he's living from, and that's the place we're called to live from. I think the other thing that we're doing in the act of confession is um, I think we experience movement. Talks about This passage talks about walking in the light. It doesn't talk about standing still in the light, or laying down in the light, but it talks about movement, talks about walking in the light, that if we walk in the light as he is in the light, it says something else, now I've forgotten, then we are ultimately connected to each other through the sacrifice of Jesus. And this is an important point because what happens in our walking into greater freedom and our walking in the light is that other people are drawn to that light. Other people are drawn to walk with us, that we can walk towards people in a way that is so attractive. You know those moments when you encounter people who are incredibly vulnerable with you, or incredibly just honest about who they are, and you're just drawn in? You're drawn into who they are? This is that moment in action, that as they're being honest, as we're honest with others, and as we walk in the light, people are drawn to that light like a moth to the flame, right? And it builds unity, which is so interesting because for me, when I'm thinking about telling the truth about some areas of imperfection in my life, when I talk about like issues I have with authority because of some experiences I had with my dad growing up, or when I talk about um, my fear and wanting to people please and have everybody like me, Everything in me says that is going to repel people, that nobody's going to want to come near that, right? That's that shame voice speaking to me. But what scripture promises me and what is actually the reality is that as I walk in vulnerability and honesty about who I am, people are drawn to me, but not in a way that is necessarily me and me-centered, but it's in a way that it centers on Jesus, which is so much more powerful, so much more long-lasting and can change their life. I don't have the ability to change anyone's life, really, but Jesus does, right? And then I would say that the last thing that we're doing, uh, there's probably, uh, this isn't like an exhaustive list. There's many things we're doing in confession. I don't want to like limit us. But um, I would say that the last thing that I thought of that we are doing in the act of confession is we become sensitive to the voice of God. That when we are continually blocking out the voice of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, one of the ways that the Holy Spirit speaks to us. And for those of you who really desire to develop the ability to hear God's voice, I have a hot tip for you. It is practice the art of confession because when we are continually dulling the voice of the Holy Spirit in conviction, which is one of the jobs that the Holy Spirit does, when we dull our ears to that sound, 
it makes it really hard to hear him in other places. So just think about that. When you're saying, I don't really want to hear you telling me that I should speak to my husband in a different way or that I should speak to my kids with patience or that I should whatever, I don't know. That it makes it really hard to hear God's presence in other places. And he's kind, he's merciful, he's not a punishing God in this sense, that it's not in all ways. But if there's a desire for you to really hear God's voice in your life, leaning into the act of confession and letting him tell you what's so in regards to the sin in your life will free you up to be able to hear his voice in many other places. Thank you again for stopping by the podcast at the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you'd like to keep up with what's happening here at the Vineyard, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Until next time, peace to you.